Warning, this episode contains foul language, some yelling, and very little coronavirus talk. You're welcome. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we get to sit down with a friend and talk about something weird. At least that's how our lives used to be. But now we're living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland of Netflix, Clorox wipes, and absolutely no toilet paper. My name is Ashley and this is my co-host for today, Mr. Ashley Cassidy himself, Handsome Joe. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, future Mrs. Future Mrs. Cassidy. Mrs. Cassidy. Mr. Cassidy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not still a free agent, but talks are ongoing. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll put it that way. Nothing. Nothing's written in blood just yet. No. You still got plenty of time to screw this up. Here's the thing. We're on day ten. Twelve. Twelve of isolation. Yeah. No. Yep. No. no. Ten. Ten. Today's ten. Today's day ten. Today's day ten of isolation. So. There's no telling. There really isn't. If the engagement will last. We're doing fine. Just to give you at home a status update, we're doing great. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple, couple bumps. couple bumps in to, the road. To be expected. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, as a show, I don't know if you guys caught this. I went, uh, I did my first Instagram live. Woo-woo! Um, on Friday. Friday or Saturday. Getting them likes. Yep. And uh, I basically addressed this there. Keep It Weird is going to continue producing content for you throughout this whole thing. Keep It Weird. Um, don't stop. For as long as we can, at least, as long as the lights are on and the world's still turning, we're going to be recording episodes for you. It just might not be our regularly scheduled programming because Lauren and I are quarantined separately and on opposite sides of the city. And it's a big city. And it's a big city. We are working on getting her a microphone um, so we can record over the phone, but Amazon is not delivering right now, which is something I never thought I would say in my entire life. No, to be fair, to be fair, Jeff Bezos doesn't have that much money. True. Jeff Bezos has like 60, maybe 70,000. Thousand dollars in his checking account. Okay, well, maybe his in United States checking account. Yeah, no, oh, <laughs> offshore t- Caymans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, then he's the richest person who's ever lived. <laughs> literally, it's him and Massa Musa, the two richest people who have ever lived. Is that the African this, king? Yeah, it is. from uh, that drunk history episode that we like so much. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. I was thinking more of uh, run you know, the jewels, learning it in school. Oh, but you know, sure. Didn't run the jewels use it in hell one of yeah. the, in one of their lyrics? They sure as hell yeah. did. They're very my, cool my, guys. My man Killer Mike, my, <laughs> my other man LP. Um, so Amazon's not delivering right now, so we're gonna be playing it by ear week to week. If there's anything special that you'd like us to cover over the course of our isolation, please write in and let us know. We could use all the help we can get. I don't know if we have enough time though. I've got a very a busy schedule these days. I thought that this break from life was really going to usher in like 
I'm going to clean my car. I'm going <laughs> to clean the house. Mm-hmm. Instead, my bathing has decreased by, <laughs> I would say, a solid 33%. Now, to be fair, I am also not working up a sweat in quite the same way that I usually do. Uh-huh. I'm in a form of stasis, if you will. I'm, right. I'm, I'm in like pseudo hibernation these days. Mm-hmm. So the need isn't quite so great. Um, but at the same time, for someone who typically is so fastidious in their self-grooming, uh, it has it has been a noticeable change <laughs> by the by like midday yesterday, your birthday of all days. Uh, I felt like I was working on a pretty good rind on, on my skin. <laughs> so it was time 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 to get some scrubbing going on there. Uh, well, also, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, like no big deal. We're going to be in isolation for a while. Let's clean. I'm gonna, let's clean everything. I'm going to deep clean. We can't. Can't. We can't afford to lose the paper towels. Or I can't. The... Paper towels and disinfectant have, ne- have yeah. literally never been in shorter supply or more <laughs> expensive. The closest store to us now, it's just like... A, a corner store. It's like a market. They sell beer and liquor and Doritos and condoms and, you know, like rolling papers. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those places. And those weird like Mexican candies. Yeah, Mexican candies. <laughs> or like if you want like a plain white T-shirt or like a bandana, <laughs> you, you've got those. It's one of those places. Um, uh, and the guys who own it are great. Having said that, I ventured out on an early morning mission today to go resupply uh, before the enemy was uh, on patrol, and uh, and they were selling uh, bottles of hand sanitizer for ten bones. No, ten bucks. Way. No, they were decent sized bottles of hand right. sanitizer, but under normal circumstances, that is a three, maybe a four dollar bottle mm-hmm. of hand sanitizer. And I can't say I fault these guys. No, because I mean these that's are boom the thing. times. That's a that's a little trick I want to tell you guys. Every time we and of course I haven't been literally out of the house in ten days, but when this all started before we were put in quarantine and people were hoarding the toilet paper and it was a whole thing. We went to like a, a tiny little liquor mart and there was tons of toilet paper. There were tons of paper towels yeah, there. Good yeah. There was a lot of canned food. There was soap. So if you are, if you're Walmarts and your grocery stores, like try and check out a Seven Eleven or like a family owned, like little liquor store. Find a little spot. Now, granted it is that like, Scott's individually wrapped. Yeah, it's not great. I hate myself and don't pamper myself in the least because I think that's for weak people kind of toilet paper. <laughs> Ron you know? Swanson toilet Ron's, paper. It is 100% Ron Swanson toilet paper. Yes. Um. So we hope you guys are healthy and happy and safe wherever you are. I don't know. All those things. Where wherever wherever you may be. Wherever Hopefully maybe. you're in one of those countries that's like taking this shit seriously. Yeah. You know? <laughs> for, nice. for anybody listening in Denmark, congratulations. Congrats. You're doing it. Uh, South Korea. You're so- doing really South great. South Korea. You're doing really it. great work. That's great. No, you are technically like constantly living in a heightened state of alert if you True. live in South Korea. So this is maybe nothing new to you. Yeah. So maybe you're just a little bit more well adapted to being like threat level midnight. Uh, but at the same time, for those of us in uh, the United States of America who in our childhood lived in a first world country, 
uh, the discrepancy between the two is uh, is is pretty pretty stark. wild. We can't even get like consistent messaging as to like what we should do. No, I've already I've been told like ten different things, and I'm not even talking about you know by you know who. I just mean like <laughs> by people who like actually should know this shit. Who are like to be honest with you, we don't know if you we should take know. ibuprofen I don't know. or not. It's like oh well, great, great, well, awesome. Anyway. Anyway, what do you? And this isn't my podcast, so I don't want to throw my weight around. But how about we dedicate the rest of this episode to getting people to just spend an hour to forget that this shit is going on? You want yeah, to talk about? You want to talk that. about some weird shit? I would love to talk about some weird shit. Today is an episode of uh, I believe we called the first one DJ Jazzy Joe the Science Bro, and I believe that was just because you did a DJ voice for about twelve seconds. Yeah. But this is uh, basically an episode where we are bringing you science news, science discoveries, really great inventions that we don't think a lot of people know about, um, some tips and tricks from our favorite scientists, all kinds of stuff uh, revolving around science, space, biology, etc. Maybe we could call this episode DJ Jazzy Joe, the Bernie bro, <laughs> while everybody in America who kicked Bernie Sanders to the sidelines is now clamoring for socialized health care and government stipends yeah. and, you know, all of the shit that he's been talking out since he was a mayor in Vermont in the mm-hmm. 1980s. Also... Where's Biden? Hey, Where good thing he? we got Joe Biden though. Joe <laughs> Joe, Joe Biden is in a, a medically induced coma for <laughs> one of for, for, for one of his eight thousand <laughs> medical ailments because he's one hundred and fifty seven years old and he acts like he's one hundred and seventy five. But that's maybe the last political thing we'll say today. That is today? for sure. The I'm last not sure. Po- I, I don't know. It depends. I don't know what the word our stories bro are going to hold. Just triggered it in my head, and I just had to say it. Well, I'm going to start today. So, um, this story is. Scary and kind of sad at the same time, but it must be told. It must be told. It must be told. Even though it's my greatest fear. Artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. Scares me every day. According to Laura Sanders, a neuroscience writer for sciencenews.org, she also, by the way, holds a PhD in molecular biology, she says robots are getting closer and closer to feeling. Come again. Feeling. Yeah. Uh, yes, a robot with a sense of touch will one day feel pain. Yikes. And they believe it's going to be both its own physical pain and eventually empathy for the pain of its human companions and potentially emotional pain as well. That's interesting. Maybe that's a nice like safeguard so that they don't the kill thing. us all. We got to the give thing. these things souls. We got to give them consciences <laughs> and souls. This is still pretty far off, but advances in robot touch sensing are bringing the possibility closer to reality every day sensors this is basically kind of how it's working how they're building these things sensors are embedded in soft artificial skin that can detect both a gentle touch or even a painful thump and they've been hooked up to a robot that can then signal emotions This was reported by Minuro Asada at the annual meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Japanese? Yep. Naturally. (laughs) It's an artificial pain nervous system, and it's a definite building block for a machine that could ultimately experience pain in a robot sort of way. Right. Which is kind of exactly the same as a human way, uh, if you think about it. Like, I... 
I always think of the movie iRobot. Please do not run out and rent it. It's not a good movie. But Will Smith asks the robot if he can feel pain. And the robot says that he has sensors that tell him there is pain, which is kind of exactly how our brains work. Like you can turn that off. Right. You can turn off the sensor in your brain and you won't feel pain. Like people can... Um, like uh, if you're Ants in My Eyes Johnson. Ants in My Eyes he Johnson. Also has a I rare feel condition nothing. where he can't feel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, sort of. But like also, um, you can get hypnotized to turn that sensor off. And then just somebody and can people, just like snap your arm. Well, it's not that extreme, Joey. Oh. But like they'll put like a, a like a a needle through your skin, and you literally won't feel it. I'd almost rather have somebody snap my arm. <laughs> you won't feel it because that sensor was turned off in your brain. Crazy. Because if you think about it, we are literally just brains. Like, that's the creature we are, is like the brain with yeah. all the wires going down. Exactly. And these are our, like, this robot is, this, bodies. This is, this is the, the meat case that our yeah. brain is, in, is, is encapsulated in. So it's the same idea. Um, but feeling pain like this, robot robotics experts believe, could allow a robot to empathize with a human being suffering, which, like Joe said, will be a super nice thing when there's a robot uprising. Sure. Asada is an engineer at Osaka University in Japan, um, and they have installed these sensors into a robot named Afeto, which has an unsettlingly realistic child's head. Why'd they have to make it a child? It's real. It's rough. Let me see if I can open this for you. I just want to show you. This is good radio. I'll post it for the <laughs> listeners, too. I just want to get your initial reaction I just have to comment when it happens. for this guy. Ah, <laughs> why does he have? He's got like black eyes. Yeah, they didn't do too much detail on. Why does he have black? He's got such lifelike hair, eyes. and everything is so great. And he's mm-hmm. got these, he's got these just yep. soulless, soulless eyes, like a doll's eyes. Well, now it's a science news Shark. pop oh, up. Sorry. Well, do you want science news? I can put your email. <laughs> well, in here. do you want to know where I got this article from? <laughs> uh, let me find my place again. Okay, so uh, yes, it's very spooky, and on top of that. These touch and pain signals can be converted to emotional facial expressions. Oh, so its face is going so to like twist and contort. Its face twists and contorts in, uh, uh, when it feels pain. Yikes. So that's, uh, it's happening, guys. So, it's so happening. This, so this it's thing happening. is basically going to be like Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, where he's yeah. just he's just like aping the human emotions <laughs> he sees around them. Oh, we're laughing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, great. And it's also a Japanese boy. Yeah. Nothing scary about that. They're using a soft touch sensitive material as opposed to a rigid metal surface because it allows richer interactions between machine and world. If anyone's seen Ex Machina, you know what I'm talking about. Except for like none of the weird sex stuff yet that I know of. (laughs) It allows the possibility of engagement in versatile and intelligent ways. And I love how Asada and his team are making robots empathetic to... uh, physical and emotional pain the reason that they're doing it um is because it would be a valuable skill in the future for robots designed to say help care for elderly people oh um, yeah and understand their limitations and understand the anguish that they're going through as well but then me and you're like maybe they won't skin us alive if they know what skin feels like maybe if they know the human condition they won't decide to just you know with zero emotion whatsoever wipe us from the face of the earth yeah anyways robot sensing physical pain is right around the corner robots feeling internal pain hurt turmoil or even joy is a whole other story we've got a while before we get there wow 
Got to be honest with you. Not a fan? I, I just, I'm one of those, <laughs> listen, and it's weird because I feel like this is, this is definitely like a, uh, here's the thing, it's coming. I feel like this is a, a viewpoint or an ideology that, uh, that is more often than not associated with more conservative people. Um, but I just like, I don't have that, that awe or that like eager anticipation for what the future holds. I feel like it's pretty much just bad stuff. Like if you're going to just dress up, you know, a, a, a fully like automated robotic future, but like you don't have to turn your own key in the ignition of the car, you know, like it's, it's like just like if you like just dress that up, it's ignition. like, I don't know. It's not that hard. It's n- it's not hard to, to do that. Yeah. It's not hard to flip a, a light switch. Yeah. Those commercials where it's know? like you're driving on your way home and your car will signal your house. You're like, and Alexa, turn the-, turn the lights on. And it's like <laughs> you could just turn the lights on when you get home. Like, yeah. I don't understand. And it. that's great. And Alexa will turn your lights on. And then while you sleep, Alexa will turn off your carbon monoxide detectors <laughs> and make you and your family asphyxiate in your house. But hey, at least you didn't have to walk in and flip a couple light switches. I know. I'm the same way. I don't even know. I think you said it right when you say conservative thinking people as opposed to just like older people because I've kind of always been that way where I've never been excited for the newest iPhone. Never. Because the new iPhone means that my old iPhone is going to start being a piece of shit. Yeah. That's all that a new iPhone means for me. I uh, iPhones, I mean, I got my first iPhone the year I moved to New York City. Mm-hmm. So I got my first iPhone in 2007. And a month ago, I got my third iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that so that tells you everything you need to know about how willingly I embrace technology. I'm I'm gonna be honest though, like, you know, I'm not not to turn my nose up too much. I'm also like kind of a fucking idiot. I'm also right. like completely. I don't know. It's like a chicken or the egg thing. It's like, it, it, do I am I scared of this stuff because I'm not good at it, or or, or is it the inverse? Right. Does that make Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Am I not good at it because I am I not good at it because it? I don't fucking care <laughs> yeah. about it, or do I not care about it because I it's fucking stupid? I, yeah. I honestly I, I don't know. I just know that I have problems with everything. True. So, uh, so at the end of this episode, after I finish bad mouthing technology, uh, maybe I can crowdsource some things I have problems with, <laughs> and you guys can respond to Ashley via email, and you can help me, you know, like find where the the fucking flashlight icon is on my new <laughs> iPhone. Maybe you can help me with that. I remember the day that you texted me that I had sent you a text message, and you like didn't get back to me, and I was like, "Guess you don't love me anymore." And you were like, "Sorry, I can't turn my flashlight off of my iPhone." And I was like, "Ask Siri to do it," <laughs> and it worked. And it worked. <laughs> Luckily, it's the only time like... I've ever asked Siri to do anything. That's it. Um, Siri. Turn off flashlight. <laughs> Turn this off, please, for the love, for the of, love God. of God. <laughs> I'm blinding everyone in this room. <laughs> um, I'm going to do another one. Do another one. I'm going to do more of a biology story. That'll be a perfect segue into mine. <gasps> Lovely. Okay, kind of. so this one's pretty gross, but it's uh, an important advancement in what experts are thinking is an evolutionary leap, which is cool. Okay. So this took place at the University of Oxford, an evolutionary biologist, Nath. Okay, so it's Natalie, but with an H, Nathalie, <laughs> or would it just be Natalie? Where's the H after the T? Oh, like just Nath- Natalie. That's what I thought too, but I was like, that's a weird spelling. No offense, Natalie. Like, I'm sure you're a very nice person. Listen, if your name, your is, name is if dumb. your name is Nathalie, 
take it up with your folks. <laughs> you gotta. I've, you we're going to say write. Natalie. We're going to say Natalie feel, if it's wrong. Feel feel free it's to not yelp our about fault. It. So Natalie Feiner was working in one of their labs there, and she was trying to understand how the common wall lizard is adapting to a changing climate. Like that was actually what she was studying, and uh, that's already pretty cool. But as she was observing one of the eggs under a microscope, she saw that something was moving inside the egg. Okay. And discovered the very first recorded event of its time. She had found a parasitic worm that can move from a mother lizard to her embryos. Yo. That is something that, um, it's something that parasites moving across generations that has been well documented in mammals, but this is the first evidence of such a transmission in any egg-laying creature, birds, reptiles, etc. Sure. No idea about platypus. Those are just, those are mythological. I don't well, understand Platypus them. is a mammal. I know. That's the thing. Right. Would that count? I don't know. Uh, naturally, all these science geeks had to say is this opens up a whole new set of exciting questions. I don't know about exciting, scary questions, maybe, like what the fuck is in my eggs that I eat every day You're, for breakfast? The, rep, the reptile eggs that you eat every day for no, breakfast? No, but it's all egg-laying <laughs> sure, egg sure. animals. Just so be a smart-ass. Reptile, yeah. yeah. Well, Nathalie, Natalie <laughs> Finer's team collected and dissected hundreds of eggs from 85 female wall lizards captured from six different places in Italy, France, and England. Of those, the parasitic worms showed up in, only in the eggs of some lizards from the French Pyrenees. Interesting. So okay, they're m- mountain lizard mountain lizard parasites. parasites. Okay, mothers of the infected embryos also carried the parasitic nematodes. So the mother also had the exact same parasites that were found in the embryos. Still had them. They still didn't. Had they didn't them. move entirely no. into. Oh, they still had them. So it's like they're reproducing in the bodies. Yuck. Nematodes typically reside in the gut and the rectum. Of their hosts, these guys were found in the ovaries of the lizards. Um, as many as 16 of them were found swimming freely between the follicles in these lizards' reproductive system. I'm making a stink face. Yes. A for, really the, for, for, for those, for those listening face. at home, I'm making a very genuine subconscious <laughs> stink face. <laughs> this, of course, is what makes it possible for them to infect the embryos as well. The fact that it's in the reproductive system. Especially with reptiles or birds or crocodiles or snakes or turtles, etc., the eggs actually begin to calcify inside the mother at a very early stage. And that protects them from things like parasites, which makes me feel good about my eaten eggs. Yeah. The hard shell. At least there's that. In lizards and snakes, however, the process of the calcification only begins after a particular stage of the embryo brain development. Like after that's complete, it's a little bit longer. Uh, down the road than a chicken. Okay. So that delay in forming the shell is like the perfect window for these worms to infiltrate and get into the, the little babies. Little bastards. The cool thing about this parasite is that it doesn't hurt the lizards at all. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry for it, calling them bastards. I know. It doesn't. I jumped da- to conclusions. <laughs> what didn't. can I What can I say? I'm a hothead. Don't judge a book by its cover, Don't judge Joe. a nematode by its cover, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't damage uh, the baby lizards or the mother lizards. 
Experts think that they have just co-evolved so that the nematodes can survive and thrive in the head and the lizard doesn't mind. It's going to be fascinating if and when we find out that it's actually a symbiotic relationship, that they're actually serving some purpose for from yeah. the lizard's perspective. Mm-hmm, maybe. Maybe they're like real smart. Possibly. Because they got they got extra nematode. IQ. Yeah, because like right now they're just hap- as far as we know they're just happily coexisting. Um, like you know, because there's a lot of shitty parasites out there. Ones that like go into a fish's head and eventually push its eyes out and totally control its movement and brain and just live as the fish. Now, what? look at me, look at me, look at me. I am I, the fish I am, now. I am the fish now. <laughs> yeah, they like grow. It, they get in the fish. They get in their nice. heads. Push out their eyes, it's become like, the eyes. It's like a be- be- being fish Malkovich. <laughs> exactly. Or there's those um, the parasites that get into ants and control their bodies and make them climb yeah, as high as possible. Yeah, those little bastards before they explode out of their heads. Yeah, and so their spores like, like can David go Cronenberg like, yeah. movie style. Yeah, their spores can just float into the world. Yuck! And so they just keep ants. doing it. Like those guys are the bastards. Yeah, real bastards. These seem fine. Real invasion of the body snatchers, bastards. But in the end, these research deter- researchers sorry, determined that for nematodes that live in the gut, it might not be a very evolution, like big evolutionary step to move to the ovaries. So that's not a huge step in evolution. That's a pretty easy like, oh, this it's isn't a, working quick, out for us. It's a quick us. jaunt. Let's, let's just, head over to yeah, the just, ovaries. Just a quick stroll <laughs> down to the ovaries. Better. Uh, but researching this further is going to help answer questions about how and when these worms evolved and whether or not the mom to egg transmission is unique to this population or if it's happening cr- across like many species of reptiles. Finer finishes her article by saying that this parasitic lifestyle might actually be more, much more common than we thought before. It's just that there are not many people who are looking into the brains of embryos. Of reptiles. Only Nathalie. Only Nathalie. Only Na- Nathalie works Nathalie's alone. the only one. <laughs> so th- I thought that was pretty cool. No one wants to work with a scientist named Nathalie. <laughs> uh, well, that actually uh, wound up being a pretty perfect segue into my story. Lovely. I love it when a plan comes together. Thank you. baby. Thank you, George Papard. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about the African turquoise killfish. Whoa. Yeah, sounds cool, doesn't it? Sounds dangerous. If I refer to it as ATK henceforth, uh you've been notified. <laughs> so, my story, we're going to we're going to take a little trip. We're going to go to the seasonal ponds of Zimbabwe and Mozambique. Fun. Yeah. I would love to go anywhere right now. Yeah, right? I know. So, in the seasonal ponds of Zimbabwe and Mozambique lives a fish that can pause time. Whoa. And now I will pause for dramatic effect. So dramatic. You, who's who talks during a dramatic pause? The po- it was who here's talks. The thing. That was a very long dramatic pause. How am I to know when it's going to end? All right. Well, I, I will. You know, I will bury the urge to do another dramatic pause to fix the first one. <laughs> I'm and I'll sure just maybe get on at with some my story. Point in I guess. this story, you'll find time to do You're another lucky this dramatic is your podcast. Pause. <laughs> if this was my podcast, I would just I would pull the plug right now. I would. I'd have I'm going to unplug your microphone. I'd have a real Bill O'Reilly Inside <laughs> Edition. Was it Inside Edition that he was? Or Hard Copy? I don't... What do you mean? His like, fuck it, we'll do it live. Oh like the, my the, God, I, I love that. It was Inside that. Edition or Hard Copy. It was some 90s trash television that my mom and I used to devour wholesale when I was growing up. 
So in any event, uh, the African turquoise killfish, when in its embryonic state, see what I mean? Perfect segue, Mm -hmm. can halt its development during a state of suspended activity called diapause. So the dry seasons in this particular region of Africa dry out these seasonal ponds for months or even several years at a time. Wow. So these fish have evolved to a point to where they, as still as embryos, they can pause their own development until the rains return and the ponds once again form. How is that even possible? Moreover, recent research has shown that functions such as cell growth and organ development are also put on hold, which effectively means that the embryos don't even age while they're in this state of diapause. A two-week-old embryo can go into diapause, and then when it emerges, it's still two weeks old, however long has gone by. It, like, pauses time. So you're telling me. So you're telling me. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me. By your logic. <laughs> yes, that is So it. if we study these, in- we could stop our own aging. Do you want to just do the rest of the story Oh, sorry, go on. Then? Or do you want to maybe let me have my own story? on this i don't have to come on the podcast anymore if you don't want me to (laughs) this quarantine has got you riled up yeah well it's also made you step all over me so (laughs) i guess we're even you're listening to it live folks this is the dissolution of our engagement it's happening over the airwaves at least it's good radio true at least we're going out as true entertainers everyone loves drama we're like lindsey buckingham and stevie nicks yeah we're this breaking apart for Mm -hmm. the world to see this is our rumors Yeah, this is it. (laughs) So there's over 130 species of mammals, let alone fish. Mammals. There's 130 species of mammals that that have some form of diapause, right? So think of bears hibernating. That's a form of diapause, right? Or those um uh remember those frogs that like freeze themselves? Yes, exactly. Same exact thing. But it's the fact that the African turquoise killfish are able to cease aging entirely. Yeah, that's wild. While doing so, that makes this truly astounding. So uh, nature uh, finds a way. <laughs> um, so adult killfish only live uh, for four to six months. That's their entire lifespan. Aww. Meaning that the vanishing ponds don't pose like really that much of a threat to an adult right. killfish. It might cut you a two months short, you know? I guess if your whole lifespan is five months, losing 40% of your life kind of sucks. But, you know, the end of the day, You're not a fish. that. But, you know, <laughs> for the survival of the species on the whole, uh, this trait has become paramount. So though the average lifespan for these fish tops out around six months, like I said, their embryos have been observed putting their growth on hold for up to two years until what? the pond refills with rainwater. Oh, Ra- Rain fish. and flood water. So... So that's right. When, once the once they hatch and they yeah, become fish, they live for six months. But as embryos, they can put themselves on pause. They can hit the pause button for two years. I forgot about eggs. That's why I was confused. Yeah. I forgot the fish laid eggs. Yeah. I was like, how could the embryo exist if the parents dead? Because right, it's an egg, baby. It's an egg. So uh, Dr. Anne Brunet who is a geneticist at Stanford University, not a big deal, pretty good school. So Dr. Anne Brunet is a geneticist at Stanford University, pretty good school. 
Uh, she is working diligently along with her colleagues to learn more about exactly how the killfish do this on a sub-embryonic level. She and her colleagues have discovered that diapause does not affect an adult fish's ability to reproduce, nor does it decrease its growth or lifespan. So, so nothing. Literally no negative repercussions whatsoever for, for pausing, for, for doing this. It's just completely built into their existence. That's amazing. Now, furthermore, what was once thought to be just an entirely passive, boring state of diapause has since been disproven. So it's not just simply like, you know, uh, hit, hit the pause button and, and, and that's it, you know. Uh, genes responsible during diapause, the genes responsible for organ and cell development uh, and metabolism as well are shut down by the embryo. However, genes responsible for turning on and off other genes, as well as genes responsible for maintaining the muscle to physically stay in diapause, are not only turned on, but they're actually cranked up. So it's like energy gets diverted from cell and organ growth into... It, it's like it, it's 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 a, a miracle of evolution. It is absolutely mind blowing. It gets to, to quote Spinal Tap. They go to 11. <laughs> they, they, crank, they crank that shit. So uh, continuing to learn more about how the external signals uh, trigger the diapause, mm -hmm. as well as the minutia of the process itself could have really large implications for us humans in the future. Dr. Brunet ha, ha, herself, ha. Ha, 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 a little <laughs> foreshadowing for you there. Thanks, Ashley. You're welcome. Dr. Brunet envisions a scenario in which continued research on the subject could lead to breakthroughs in treating aging-related diseases, wow. such as Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. as well as learning how to better preserve human organs long-term. So if so, if that is true, if, if, if it can be converted to a human scale, if we are able to learn enough and put it into practice before we uh, or a virus wipes us from the, from the face <laughs> of the earth, um, if we are able to do that, and if we're able to do that at the same level as the African turquoise killfish, humans could stretch their estimated lifespan from the current approximate 80 years to anywhere from 160 to 400 years Goodness, old. we're like now, Moses. Again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because that's how it used to be. People back back when everybody ate, you know, like one fish every three days and walked everywhere and uh, didn't have access to any form of medicine whatsoever. Drank they only water and wine. Drank only like, you know, malaria laden water and bad wine. They lived to be 400 years old. But yeah. So. So, yeah, if we are able to convert this, uh, it could have major, major implications for us but That's even amazing. if it does have any implications for us because i gotta be honest with you i've kind of lost hope and faith and like the will for our species to persevere um it's still pretty amazing that the african yeah. turquoise killfish can do this even if we can't replicate it so what it's amazing that is amazing i'm constantly joe and i watch a lot of nature shows we do we like nature shows and every single time we do there's at least like three times per episode where our jaws are just on the floor and we're just staring at each other instead of the TV as it like, did you know that before now? Like, what were we watching? I don't remember if we were watching something or if we were reading about it. The um, the jellyfish that are um, that live forever. What's the word for living forever? Uh, live to live forever. Immortal. Immortal. The immortal jellyfish. Mm. 
the theoretically immortal jellyfish. Well, no, what happened? They they will not die unless they get eaten. Obviously, yeah, they get eaten or like horribly injured, uh, or if they contract some parasite or disease. Right. right. But what happens is they will, when they reach a point where their body doesn't function anymore, they basically dissolve themselves and start over. Insane. So they essentially yeah. can live forever. Yeah, the jellyfish is basically just like getting rid of like their like 1996 Honda Accord. They're like, <laughs> you serve me well, Bessie. Got 320 thou out of you. But uh, the the old girl doesn't purr the way that she used to. It's time to, <laughs> time to, time to maybe upgrade in the automobile fronts. Hey, remember that time I couldn't think of the word immortal? <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. That was weird. Yeah, those were good times. <laughs> um, that was a really good story, Joey. Thank Why, you. Why, thank you very much. I try to come prepared. So my next story involves a whole lot of shit I don't really understand, but I'm going to give it a shot here trying to explain it all to you and you and you and you and you. So this was reported in February of this year for the first time ever. Astronomers have found molecular oxygen in a galaxy outside of the Milky Way. Ah, Oxygen, as in the same stuff we as in, as in our lung juice. Lung juice. <laughs> oxygen is the third most common element in the cosmos after hydrogen and helium. So astronomers once thought that oxygen would be totally common in the space between the stars. But despite years and years of repeated searches, no one has ever found any sign of oxygen beyond our galaxy until now. Crazy. It's a big discovery. Huge. Junsi Wang, an astronomer at Shanghai Astronomical Observatory in China, along with his colleagues, spotted the molecule in a galaxy named Markarian 231. It's 560 million light years away in the constellation Ursa Major. Now, how the fuck do you even do this? How do you find a molecule that's 560 million light years away? You gotta have real good eyesight. I would really assume. good eyesight is number one. By the way, do you know what Ursa Major? Uh, Ursa Major means uh, the Great Bear. Great Bear. Great Bear, like big, like lo- like great in size, not like great, like he's a swell guy, like <laughs> like it's a like it's a big bear. Really nice bear you yeah. got there. Yeah, Ursa is Latin for bear, uh-huh. and uh, Major obviously is you know great, big, great, grand, large. large. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yep. Uh, what are the other names? <laughs> I'm happy it was Ursa Major because it's the only one I could sound smart about. Fair enough. Be like, why do they call it the Little Dipper? It's like, I don't know. Read a fucking book. What know. do I look like? A what fucking I... scientist? Listen. I don't know. Just because I'm the science guy. On I'm dressed episodes. like a house painter right now. I ran out of clean sweatpants this week, so I'm wearing old, ill-fitting suit pants because they're lightweight and super comfortable, along with an unbuttoned flannel shirt and a baseball cap because I really need a haircut and I can't get one because a hair salon is essentially a fucking death trap. So, so I don't know. I don't know what they're called, Ashley. I can't even fucking bathe. This virus is tearing us apart. Um. So, they used radio telescopes in Spain and France. Um, and the astronomers saw radiation at the wavelength of two point five two millimeters, which apparently is a signature of O2's presence. 
<laughs> if, if you say so. I know. That's what I said. I was like, I don't understand this, but this cool. smart guy is telling me it. Go so <laughs> so I'm going to believe him. Not only is this the first time we found oxygen outside of our galaxy, it's also the most molecular oxygen ever seen outside of the solar system. Wow. This is where it gets kind of more sciencey and hard to understand, but um, they don't really understand why there is so much oxygen there yet. So previously, astronomer, astronomers, astronomers had seen oxygen in just two star-forming clouds within the Milky Way, the Orion Nebula and the Ro-Ifuchi Cloud, which is a dark nebula of gas and dust that's located one degree south of the star Ifuchi. What was it? What 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 is this one? What is it like? What what kind of a, a cloud is it? Dark nebula of gas and dust. That uh, that sounds like me after <laughs> I finish a bag of Doritos Cool Ranch. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. That's not that impressive. I mean, I'm capable of producing that. My favorite thing about you eating Cool Ranch Doritos is the fact that I have to go in the other room. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, we have to form like a quarantine zone within our quarantine (laughs) zone whenever you, whenever I crack a bag of Doritos Cool Ranch. Because they are, they are without a doubt on like the greatest hits album of chips and various assorted (laughs) snacks of all kind. Don't at me. Cool Ranch, they're like, what's I'm trying to think of? They're oh they're like they're cool, delicious. cool ranch is like that's there it's like uh it's like chi- the Chinatown of yeah. snacks. It's like iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to mention them. Do you know what they're called in other countries? Yeah. Yeah, they're called like uh like it's like American style. Cool American. Cool American, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Um but yeah, they boy, as, as they are every bit as stanky, uh <laughs> both in the air and on one's breath as they are going down <laughs> delicious going down. They are amazing, and they will also cause friction in your personal relationships. <laughs> um, so they believe... So anyway, back back to the thing I keep interrupting. Sorry. They believe that the shortage of interstellar oxygen is actually due to oxygen atoms and water molecules freezing onto dust grains, locking up the oxygen, and then there's no signature to trace it. That's why they believe that there's such a lack of ox like oxygen in the in space as opposed to helium and oh interesting yeah helium and what was the other hydrogen yeah because oxygen can freeze like oxygen can connect with yeah water and freeze and then you can't trace it because it's no longer in the molecular oxygen form oh wow So that's what they believe. But this signature they reported finding last month is interesting because the oxygen signature is like 100 times greater than in the Orion Nebula in our solar system. Gary Melnick, an astrophysicist at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, commented on it saying, that's very, very high. There's no known explanation for an abundance of molecular oxygen that high. Really quickly, can I pause and interrupt again? Yeah. I'm sorry. But just... Where this guy works, I just the fact that it in one sentence you said the words Harvard, uh, Smithsonian, and astrophysics, and it's just like you can't like no three words are together are smarter than that. <laughs> it's like where do you work? I work at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. 
It's like, it's like oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to go <laughs> fucking kill myself. <laughs> I'll never be you. <laughs> All right, great. Well, anyway, do you? Uh, can I sell you some insurance? Yeah. Do you need life insurance? Yeah. Do you need a uh, disability? Yeah. So their biggest guess as to why this is... Uh, is that it's been a result of the galaxy being a major star factory. This place spews out stars. 100, just like American Idol. Just like American Idol. One, one after one, one after, after one. another. <laughs> Ruben Studdard. You name him. <laughs> Kelly them. Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. What was the other one? Clay Aiken. <laughs> yeah, Clay Aiken. I was going to say the I was going to say the one that the one that Conan O'Brien used to make a joke about <laughs> every single night for four years. That one. I think he was in the same season as. Stuttered, Ruben though. stuttered, yeah. So and he didn't even win. Ruben, Ruben stuttered. How do I fucking know this? I've watched <laughs> zero this... seasons of American Idol. Right, but like that—that's era... what, what a star factory it is, baby. See? Even I know. So this place <laughs> spews out new stars one hundred times faster than the Milky Way, and is shooting out seven hundred solar masses of gas per year. So the high-speed gas from the galaxy center might slam into the gas in the in the disk of the galaxy, shaking water ice from dust grains so that molecular oxygen can form. And in turn, that oxygen may be what's keeping the galaxy hyperactive with all of the star building. Man, that's wild. That's their best guess. Hey, whatever. I just like talking about this I know, stuff. I don't need I don't need you to have any answers right now. Just just knowing that this that people are working on this is in a way, kind of reassuring. Yeah, it's insane. It's like at least some people still care about this shit. At least, <laughs> at least there are still some people in the world who care about learning. Learning stuff. Yeah. And reporting on the learning. I, I, I don't have any more time for learning. Make, make, just make a, make a device where you could turn, I could turn my TV on <laughs> and also have a big slide that goes into my mouth so I don't have to reach for my food. <laughs> Joe's uh, still mad at technology right now. Joe's mad at everyone <laughs> and everything right now. Um, I just want to end that story with what is space and how do they know this stuff? Like, how yeah. did they first d- even, like, discover that they could find that out? It's crazy. Do you know it's, what I mean? Yeah, things, stories like that, for me personally, it's, they're always a little bit of a double-edged sword. Because, like I just said, it, uh, on the one hand, it's, like, really reassuring that there are, like, f- absolutely just, like, mind-bogglingly brilliant people who are capable of step-by-step figuring this stuff out. Yeah. Like I said, like, I couldn't find the flashlight app on my phone on my new iPhone, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's the other side of that double-edged sword where more often than not, I mean, you know, the the fool doth think he is wise and the wise man know himself to be a fool and all that. So I do walk around with a healthy amount of humility in that regard most of the time. Right. But I also kind of feel like my... My my pursuit of knowledge over the years has made me smarter than you know, like mo- the president. Mo- most <laughs> I mean, come on, set the bar a little higher than that. I feel like you know if you the took, vice president, if you took most of the people on the planet, like the majority. I don't mean like ninety percent. I mean like at least fifty-one percent. I'm mm-hmm. smarter than them, and mm-hmm. I feel really good about that. But also, stuff like this comes out, and it's just like, oh my god, I'm. I'm, I'm like not I'm like not even a smart person. I'm just like not a total moron. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I know a thing or two about a thing or two and then as you go up the ladder from me you continue going up and then you get to like actually smart people. Yeah. You know? Mhm. I have a couple friends like that though. I have friends where I just think about what they do and it's just like, "Oh my god. 
Kevin's so much smarter than I am. <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You got another one? Totally. Um, I do, but I would like to hear what you You want have. me to go next? Yeah, All right, absolutely. I'm gonna go next. All right, so this is, I'm going to have a little, little, little fun. Now, disclaimer, I was having a little difficulty. I was having a little trouble finding something that was both compelling to me mm-hmm. and something that I felt was fodder for the podcast. Right. But I succeeded. Yes. And it's a little dumb, but we're going to have some fun because I feel like I feel like we could all use just a little bit of mm-hmm. just like no frills, no strings, yeah. fun. Yeah. Just like comfort food, mm-hmm. you know, like putting on like, like a cool like, ranch wa- Doritos, like sitting down with a bag of cool ranch Doritos and watching an entire season of the show. Friends, <laughs> like I don't want to think I don't mm-hmm. want to do anything healthy or good or beneficial. I just want to let the comfort wash over me so I can forget. So are you telling me that this is sort of a Joey's Derp Corner? Derp Corner, Derp Corner, Derp Corner. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So I got I found I wanted to compile a small list of a couple inventions. Love it. Like more modern, not not like brand new, but okay. like re- recent, and not just in- inventions that you've you've maybe heard of, like one or two of these. Okay, you know they're pretty they're pretty fringe. Um, now a couple of them I love, mm-hmm. and then a couple of them I don't love. <laughs> so we're gonna start with the loves. Okay. So the first one, the butter stick. Butter stick. The I butter feel stick. like we've had that for a while. The butter stick? A stick of butter. Okay. Well, here's the thing. It's not a stick of butter. Oh, okay. It's, it's not a, a stick, stick of butter. It's like it's like the glue stick that you would use in elementary school. It's like one of those, except instead of using it to like adhere a cotton ball to a wooden tongue depressor <laughs> uh, to make a cloud man. You laugh, but, give but we one all did more it. week, one we, more week, we and you and I are going to make it I'm going to be make, we're doing arts and crafts. I'm going to be getting googly eyes and tongue depressors and cotton balls. We're going to be so fucking bored. We're going to have a blast. And uh, so, so it's a it's a butter stick. So instead of using it for for craft projects, you use it to spread delicious butter onto a tasty Amazing. piece of bread. Right. So so long, cold butter problems. <laughs> you're you're a 20th century problem. We have moved. This is one area where technology is moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Because so, when you try and spread butter with like a knife, you like rip up the piece. You of tear bread. up the bread, or like you know, like maybe the the bread you is. You pierce like, the toast. You pierce the toast. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe the bread is, uh, you know, like, uh, fragile. Yeah. Maybe it's fragile bread. Yeah. You know, maybe you've got super cold butter. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do? You yeah. can't spread that. No. What are you going to do? I guess you could throw it in the microphone, but then maybe you put it in for too microphone. long. Microphone. And you put it on the microphone and you speak <laughs> into it. And then <laughs> the microwave. I had a stroke. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? So, so, so the days of, of me taking cold butter packets and squeezing them in my hand to warm them up so I can spread them on a tasty Over. piece of seven grain bread, they're done. Done. Because I got butter stick, baby. Love it. For the record, once upon a time when I was in high school, I only used this one, this one container of it. It did not go well uh, at all, but... Uh, uh, so I'm almost 35 years old, for <laughs> those of you listening at home, which... 
I don't know how that happened. But um, <laughs> so way back when, um, when I was in high school, it became uh, very popular to have uh, like spiky hair. Yes. Like oh, spiky. Yeah. That yep. was in. Hard. It was like spike. When I first got into high school, the style was um, like short hair mm-hmm. and then you would comb it forward from oh, the yeah. back. But you put up you put the wall up front. Yeah. Yeah. Build that wall. Mm-hmm. You know, you would just. You'd yep. have a wall going straight up in front with the hair going down in front of it. But that then over the years is I like, oh, and now I'm a junior in high school. Now it's like, hey, that's when hair. you get like you get a bunch of fucking, you know, like three dollar ninety nine cent for a gallon plastic bottle of gel. And you rub it in your hands and you just you spike that shit. You know, all you just it. you it's going into all different directions. You're just you're, and you just you're Mr. You, look like, you look like Matthew Lillard. You look like you have HPV. Is what you look like. You look. You look grody. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. It, it wasn't was. a good look back then. But I was sixteen and I didn't know any better. Um, but if you were like me and you were sixteen in the year two thousand two, uh, or actually I was sixteen in two thousand one. Wow. Oh my god. Um, so so if you're chasing that look, uh, it would there was a wax stick, what? where it was like hair product, but it came in like glue stick form. And it enabled you to like whoop, 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 whoop. You could like get like individual strands of hair and like whoop, 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 whoop. But it it didn't work well. In theory, it was great. But you wound up just rubbing a bunch of it onto the palm of your hand and rubbing your hands together anyway. So it was like, "Mm, I'm not buying this again. Um, So did you tell us that story to say that you're wary about the butter stick? I'm wary of things that are imitating the glue stick because as we all (laughs) learned when we were five years old the glue stick is perfect yeah for sure perfect also you think of like a glue stick remember those suckers the push pop suckers yeah i remember i just told you how old i am but those kind of sucked because your saliva would like drip down all over them and now you got rainbow coming out of the corners of your mouth and glue stick shape yeah also like there are few things in the world that like make my stomach turn more than than like a little kid with a dirty face. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like a baby with a dirty face is adorable. Like a six year old with a dirty face, it's like, where's your mother? Where's your mom? Like wipe your. I know you're six, but you can't feel that. Wipe your mouth. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. Okay. So anyway, yeah, kids with the dirty push pops are not a kid's best friend. No. No. Go get a rocket pop. Those are great. Mm-hmm. You know, do you remember the baseball gloves? It, and Excuse and the, me? there was the, it was it was a big it came on a, on a stick. Okay, and it was like a big pink baseball glove that was no. the, that was the ice cream cone, and then in the middle was the baseball, but the baseball was a gumball. No fucking. You way. don't remember those? Nope, oh. I never had one of those. What Any, flavor was it? Anytime you would hear, I honestly, it's been like literally twenty five yeah, years I since I had remember. one. That okay. has sadly faded to black, but. Little eight-year-old Joey Oaks hears that song <laughs> coming up, coming down the street. I am, I am, I'm not even putting a shirt on. I'm going straight from the slip and slide. I'm going. I'm just, I'm running on hot pavement, barefoot. Doesn't matter because I'm going to get that baseball glove for sure. That was, that was it. That was it. That was what, your... were, what were we talking what were, about? What are we talking about today? <laughs> Let's just talk about ice cream. Science. Trucks. Yeah. So. uh so yeah, so that's number one. That's okay. invention number one. I'm gonna give on the bu- love list. I'm gonna give the butter stick the benefit of the doubt. I've been burned in the past, but I love the idea. I love the concept. I'm on board. Okay. Invention number two. I'm gonna call this the sneaky sandwich bag. Oh. So are you sick of taking the time 
to fix yourself a tasty homemade sandwich to bring to work at your office job only to have some thieving scumbag piece of shit steal your sandwich out of the refrigerator and not even have the decency to own up to it? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Because you have a sneaky sandwich Fret bag. No longer. Because you got sneaky sandwich bag. You know what this sandwich bag does? Um, Doesn't really do anything. Yeah, I don't know I why I said what it, it holds your sandwich. <laughs> you know what it looks like, though? What? It's got these like perfectly placed, hideous green blotches adorned all over the, the plastic of it. So it makes your sandwich look moldy as fuck like it's been in the refrigerator for a long ass time. I feel like this could backfire. Because I somebody's gonna throw it out. Yep. Every time I'm at work See, and I open the fridge and it stinks, didn't even I throw that, that shit out. Didn't I'm even like, think of that. I I don't remember this Chinese yeah. food being in New York yesterday, this but is it disgusting. fucking smells. So nobody's it's going gonna to eat this. And meanwhile, Roscoe's sandwich is going in the garbage <laughs> for the third day in a row, mm-hmm. and he's gonna come in with an AR-15 tomorrow. Okay. So I actually I changed my mind. Guess what, sneaky sandwich bag? You're done. You're done. You're out of here. You're done. If this yep. is Shark Tank, I'm not. No, Mm-mm. I've never seen Shark Tank, but I know the gist of the show. I'm not investing in that product. No. No. Negative. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. I was really asleep at the wheel on that one. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of that. I've never had an office job. True. That might be your downfall. Maybe that's it. That's it. You but never, if I did have an office job. You don't know how to have a communal fridge. If I did have an office job, I might want this next thing. Why? What is it? Do you have an office job that yes. steals your soul every yes. hour of every day? Yes. Or maybe you have a good job, but also, maybe you yes. also enjoy potent potables a little too much to wait until happy hour comes oh, around. Oh, shit. Well, Is it a stapler flask? You feel like drinking on the job, <laughs> do you? Because this company's got you covered. You know how they've got you covered? How? Flask ties. Oh, my. See, this is this is work this for is me, it. though. I'm a lady. Shark Tank. So what? Avril Lavigne, that shit. Yeah, you I could guess. be Avril Lavigne. Come on. You could come into work looking like fucking Diane Keaton. And everybody oh, would be yeah, like, oh, my God, right. Ashley, you look incredible. And they'll they have no idea you're half in the bag. Yeah, you're right. it's perfect. So not only are these ties chic and stylish, but they also hold half a pint <laughs> of whatever you feel like swallowing down your gullet so you can forget even for just a few hours of how disappointing your life has become. Well, how do you drink out of it? It's got, it's, yeah, it's got it's got a little the like the tip of it uh-huh. basically it's like a like a little oh. like camelback kind of thing absolutely remarkable do you remember uh the time that i dressed as well i don't think we even knew each other at the time but i've told you this story <laughs> so no so no you couldn't uh, the time yeah, I, I know what you're gonna dr. say dr doom. doom and from uh from, from uh, roger rabbit yeah who friend roger rabbit and, and everyone thought i was diane keaton <laughs> you, to be fair i did look like diane keaton. but here's the thing you looked like you didn't look like diane keaton in a movie you look right. like Diane Keaton, like on the cover of Us Weekly in 1993. Yeah. Where it's like, First Wives Club star Diane Keaton strolls out and about with her co star, Bette Midler. You know, you look like Diane Keaton off camera. Yep. You She's know? a cool girl. She is. It was the, the glasses, really. Was the glasses, like, the glasses, really the sold vest, it. the tie. I would have thought Diane Keaton. Well, I, was, I was Judge Doom. Yeah. So um, it's funny because, you know, I thought about this, you know, drinking on the job. Now, me personally, I struggle with drinking on the job. There have been times where I've, you know, because I, before I did what I currently do, I spent a very, very long time working in hospitality. Various, yeah. I was, Which I've been, drinking on the job is, is 
for anyone Almost who's never, I was going to say, for anyone who like has never worked in hospitality, your server is drinking. Every, almost everybody <laughs> drinks. Yeah. Um, but I, but I never could because I get like four drops of liquor on my tongue, mm-hmm. and my brain goes into like fuck these people. Like that's <laughs> it. I, I like I smell alcohol, and I be, and I lose the ability. To 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 help people in a restaurant, I'm just like fuck you. I, I don't know. Get your own fucking Bellini. So <laughs> the only time I've ever been able to successfully drink on the job was my first restaurant job in New York because I had to work every Sunday brunch. Yes. And I was 22 years old, and I had just moved to New York City. So Saturday nights were for parties. Tuesday nights were for parties. I know, let alone Saturday. Were- I would get out of work on Saturday night at 11:30 at night. And I would go to a bar for like literally six hours after that. That's insane. I would do a little more than drink. Not my not my finest age. But uh but I would basically get an hour of very, very, very bad sleep and then wake up and put on my work clothes again and get back on the subway and go back to work a brunch shift. I basically yeah. would just work a busy dinner shift at a very expensive, nice, high-pressure restaurant, drink and do drugs for six hours, and then- Sort of nap. And then, like, basically just, like, close, close my eyes. eyes for an hour, <laughs> and then open them and just go back and just do it all over again. So I would drink at that job, but getting back to drunk- was actually like a step up on the usefulness scale from how I showed up to work that day. Yeah. Like I needed that. It was like, get, get, I'm just going to pound two screwdrivers right when I get there and that'll buy me a couple hours before I pound a couple more screwdrivers and then finish my shift and then go home and die. (laughs) So. Every Sunday. So yeah. So if you feel like, uh, you know, you know, aping my style and drinking on the job, maybe the flask tie is for you. Mm-hmm. You probably don't have a fully stocked bar at your disposal in your office, so flask tie. Right. Yeah. This is totally irresponsible of us. Go on. Peddling flask tie? Yeah. Here's the thing. If you are listening to this and you or someone you know in any way, shape, or form is associated with flask tie, I would love a free sample. <laughs> I would love yeah. for, uh, for the promotion of, of this episode. Just, just one. Just give me one flask tie, please. Um, and then uh, here's uh, here's this is a twofer okay. of things that I thought were ingenious, but maybe not too, too funny. Just really great ideas. Uh huh. You ready for this? Yes. The double capped tube of toothpaste. Hmm. A cap what? on either end. Oh. How brilliant is Why that? Why don't we have that? That Why? is so brilliant. A cap on either end. It automatically m- mitigates your 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 squeeze and pull uh, tactic by at least by fifty percent. Yeah, incredible. How's here's here's another one for you. You ready for this? Yeah. Staircase drawers. Explain. Every stair on your staircase oh, is a fully functional drawer that pulls out. That's that, such a good idea. That can store whatever you want to store in a drawer. You know what doesn't help us though. No stairs? Yeah, we don't have any stairs. Yeah. We will, though. <laughs> Someday we Someday will. <laughs> we'll have stairs again. Can you just buy a set of staircase drawers? Because we just put one in the corner. Like fake doors on <laughs> Rick and Morty? Fake doors! 
Brothers? Okay, that's two Rick and Morty references. <laughs> that's two too many. All right, so now I got I got two. Inventions, Those are your loves. Two inventions that I hate. hate. Oh no! Invention number one: the hug me pillow. Oh. It is a pillow in the shape of a human, specifically a man. But it's it's the shape. It's a pillow in the shape of a man's torso and arm. So just, one, just and, one arm, it, just one arm. It's okay. like it's like for snuggling up to, right? So like you're gonna get all snuggled up to this guy, and like I don't know, I, I guess now you don't have to adopt that fifteenth cat that you were thinking of adopting. <laughs> you know, this is just taking the weighted blanket concept to to a degree that is just kind of I can't wrap my brain around it. I just embrace the loneliness. Just embrace it. So, like the the greatest art the world has ever seen has been made by people who feel like you. Channel. That's it. the thing. It's like rock stars are awesome, and then they get wives, and they suck. Yeah, exactly. It, for the most part, they get money, and they get you know comfort, and they get you know they get and, reciprocated love. Yep. And then all of and a sudden, it's, it's like, like oh, oh wow, sucks. you forgot how to write a song. Yeah. True. Fuck this pillow. Embrace it. Embrace the loneliness. Mm-hmm. You think Vincent Van Gogh had a fucking hug me pillow? No. If he did, he might have kept his ear, though. That yeah. is and, a And plus. nobody would know who he was. And no one was. would know his name. You're yeah. right, Joe. You're right. I know I'm right. <laughs> so in, in the picture, I saw the damn thing's even wearing a button-down shirt. That doesn't even make sense. Oh, oh well, but, I guess men's pajamas sometimes have. But this was like, it was like a very, like, basic, like, teal with white button button down shirts so like i saw it and i was like that's from express for men like i could even tell what (laughs) store this fucking shirt they put on this goddamn pillow was from so yeah that just instantly rubbed me the wrong way and number two um leashes for children so first of all i want to just very i'm going to be serious for a second because i'm about to get like a little hyperbolic and a little dramatic as i have a tendency to do um, especially when I get a little worked up. Um, so just let me uh, attach this disclaimer. I do not want at all to diminish the fear of losing a child. Oh, yeah. Like, I get that. I understand that sometimes we take our children into crowded environments and it's easy to get separated. Like, I understand the mechanism that would make a person think about creating Childish. this device. Yeah. yeah. Designing it is maybe, in my mind, a bridge too far. Buying one is like you are you are off the fucking reservation. So, for starters, children don't go on leashes, okay? Animals go on leashes. But they're a harness. It's not like it's around their it's neck. It's a leash. Just because it's not around their throat doesn't mean that you don't have a child on and a leash. And they're disguised as like a monkey on their back. Listen, and the my tail job, is a leash. my job takes me from school to school, week to week. Uh-huh. I work at a different public school every week. Most of the schools that I work at are elementary schools, which all have kindergartens. They've all got the rope when they're all walking to recess, oh, yeah, or when they're all the walking rope. to lunch, they're all holding on to the rope. the rope. It's adorable it's so cute there is a big difference between being responsible for 20 children yeah who are not yours true and also just being too fucking sidetracked by swarovski crystals to pay attention to your fucking kid while you're at the mall that's true there is a big hold just, you have a fucking kid you have pay a kid attention to the kid hold on to the kid <laughs> Hold on to the kid. Make the kid walk in they, front of you. They ha- the kid has hands. But no, you're going to demean your child by putting them. You know, like there are long standing emotional repercussions that are going to come from having your child on a harness leash. Like 
That is, imagine if you, when you were seven years old, uh-huh. six years old, because kids tease each other at that age. Imagine you're at the local mall and you bump into two kids in your class who are there with their parents who see you on your leash. Wait, hold on. You're going to People be- People are putting six-year-olds on leashes? Fuck yeah. See, I've only seen them on like three-year-olds at no. like Disneyland who are no. like, I want to walk, mom. No, they, they're going on like kids who are in grade okay, school. Okay, that's insane. That's actually insane. Yes, it's insane. It is absolutely insane. But also, just to put a button on, on the kids on a leash thing, I, I kind of feel like it's a, like a, a rite of passage to get lost as a kid. Like, I, I remember one time I got lost, you know, and again, you know, I get it. You don't want your kid to get kidnapped. I understand that. But like, I, I, I learned a very valuable lesson. I was visiting my uncle in, in the, the greater Washington, D.C. area, and he took me to a mall because he had to go do something. And he put me in an arcade and he gave me like five bucks. And he was like, I got to go do this thing. Stay here. Don't leave. Don't go with any strangers. I'm like eight years old in this story. Nine years old. Stay here. Don't leave. Here's some quarters. I got to go do this thing. I'll be right back. Don't leave. I burned through my five quarters for like four games because I was never very good at managing my money. (laughs) And then I finished and I was like, I'm bored. I'm going to go look for Uncle Ben at this mall that I've never been to in a state I don't live in. And I wandered off and went looking for him. And of course, I got lost. And we finally like were reunited like 40 minutes later. And Ben grabbed me by the front of my shirt. This is my mom's older brother. Grabbed me by the front of my shirt, picked me up to like face level and pinned me against the wall with like heart attack seriousness on his face and guess what guess what valuable lesson learned pay attention do what adults tell you to do when you're eight years old and stupid and don't go wandering off at a mall you don't want to get lost you don't want to get kidnapped stick with your parents for all the children listening for all, out for there. all our eight-year-old listeners <laughs> out there i apologize for the f-bombs i have one more thing um this hey light lighten the mood too jesus yeah i really i gotta be honest with you i did not mean for that to go as dark as it did but it's just that's one of those things where it's like joe what makes your blood boil it's like mm, six-year-olds on leashes because their parents are lazy (laughs) well this is not really mood lightening but no one's gonna get angry i don't think do you think somebody's going to get angry at my leash take? No, you were the one that got angry. Not someone listening oh. would get angry. Who knows? I might get angry again. <laughs> True. I'm good at it. Uh, so I found an interesting article on LiveScience.com. I wanted to share it with you because I actually have asked this question before, like in my head to myself, and I've never known an answer. So this is kind of cool and also a little terrifying. The question is... What should we do if a planet killer asteroid is heading straight for Earth? I mean, I feel like we already solved this one, didn't we? Didn't we? You go get Bruce Willis? Ah, uh, yes. Mm, you go yes. you go get Ben Affleck? Mm-hmm. You go get Who else is on the team? Will Patton. Uh-huh. Oh. Um uh, Michael Clark Steve Duncan. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Michael Clark Duncan. Um you gotta get Liv Tyler. Because she's got to... She's just got to sit in the She's just got to be there. Yep. And cry. Yep. Um, You got to get... Uh, who else? Who else we got to get? 
Well, there's that one guy who always plays an asshole in movies, but he's not an oil driller. He's like one of the astronauts that goes with them because they have to send astronauts with them too because these guys are not astronauts. They're oil oh, drillers. Oh, isn't it? Is, it's William Fickner, isn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scott Youngbauer is very proud of me right now for pulling <laughs> that one out. Scott, I know you're listening. I know you're proud. Um, so here's the thing. No, that's actually a bad idea. And I'll go over why. Okay. So- Researchers at MIT calculated which options are best, and it all depends on the path that the asteroid is taking through space. Uh-huh. So there's several different scenarios. If it's coming from here, do this. If it's coming yeah. from there, do this. They actually came up with an entire guide, which was published in February in the journal Acta Stronica. Cool. Can I get a coronavirus test? Acta <laughs> uh, Stronica. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, which they hope will serve to help future asteroid deflectors. So in the future, they're hoping that this guide can be a reference if something like this is happening. So uh, in movies, as we discussed, asteroids heading straight for Earth is sort of like a last minute shock. Like we have three weeks before it we hits, no idea this is and happening. we need to send a team of oil riggers up there to blow it up. Yep. This will probably never happen. NASA believes that they have already spotted most of the largest and deadliest objects that have even a small chance of striking the Earth. Like they already know where they are so what, in space. So okay, so so why was there such a colossal failure in the movie Starship Troopers? What do you mean? Oh, the, it, the asteroids are coming all uh, the way I'm from getting, Klendathu. Right. I'm getting to it. Oh, okay. So um, they know all of the, the, these are the planet killers. These are the ones that if this asteroid hits us, the planet's dead. We all die. Dunzo. Um, but there are definitely smaller rocks that could hit and destroy like cities. But we have not discovered, we may have not discovered those yet because they're just too small to detect uh-huh. from that far away. Uh-huh. But the planet killers, the one that's like, we're all dead, we know where they are. Can I make some suggestions for some cities? Mm -hmm. If asteroids are listening and they want to know where to land, I've got some cities where maybe you could could go land. Okay. Tampa. I've never been to Tampa. Oh, okay. I just thought one of them would be in Florida for you. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Where do the... uh, where do the Florida man guys live? Because they're friends of oh, ours. Oh, true. Yeah. Okay. No, stay away from Florida. Yeah. We got friends there. You're lucky, like Florida. If it wasn't for the Florida men on Florida man, you'd be toast. You'd be toast. St. Pete, you're eyes. done. Orlando, you're done. Clearwater, Miami, see ya. you're the first one done. <laughs> so, because these planet killers are already being closely watched, we're going to have plenty of time. They already have a way of tracking their projection by using what they call keyholes, or some people call them doorways. And basically, every Earth-threatening asteroid gets closer and further away from Earth at different points in its orbit around the sun. So sometimes they're closer to us, sometimes they're further away, sometimes they're closer, sometimes they're further away. And along that path that they're traveling near Earth, they've calculated keyholes or doors Uh, So those are regions of space that this asteroid will have to pass through at certain times in order to end up on a collision course with us. Mm -hmm. And the easiest time to stop an asteroid from hitting Earth is before it it enters one of the keyholes. So if we see that it's about, it's like in, in two weeks. Nuke the sun. It could nuke the sun. Nuke the sun. That'll take care of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, orbit yeah. around. What are you going to orbit around now? Yeah. Now where are you going to go? So, um, 
If we destroy it before then, that's going to keep the object from even getting on the route towards us in the first place. So that's the that's what we should do. So how do we? What do we do? Well, so uh, Sung Sung Wook Peck and his co-authors of this guide tossed out most of the crazier asteroid deflection schemes, like. They left nuclear detonation as the most serious option. Like we will die. If we don't die. do this, if we, don't we do will this, already we'll die, be extinct anyway. But we might die too because nukes are scary in space. We don't know how they're going to react. Uh, like only if absolutely necessary, because we have no idea how an asteroid would even react to something like that. Because why would we test it? That would be very dangerous. Yeah. So in the end, it looks like we have three options. They're all. All of the options are to knock the thing off course. Right. To just. Give it a bump. Just, yeah, boop. Little, little <laughs> like, nudge to like just not little, hit us. Just a little nudge with a you know fifty megaton payload exactly. of missiles. Yeah. So um, these are type zero, type one, and type two is what they've labeled these, and they're very like there's a ton of info, but I'm just giving you like the basic like type zero mission is where a single heavy spacecraft is fired at the incoming object aimed using the best available information about the object's makeup and trajectory to knock it off course. Because it's still pretty far from us when we do this. Right. So we don't actually know the exact size, the topography of the asteroid. So type one missions is where a scout is launched first and collects close-up data of the asteroid. Unmanned, I'm assuming. Unmanned before the main impactor is launched in order to better aim the shot for maximum effect. Mm. And then type two is a mission where one small impactor is launched at the same time as the scout to knock the object just a bit off course. And then all the information from the scout and the first impact are used to fine tune a second small impact that's going to finish the job, if necessary. Interesting. There are problems with all of them, honestly, like depending on the situation. Type zero missions are very risky because telescopes on Earth can only gather rough information about the asteroids, the planet killers, uh, which are still very far away, very dim, very small objects Mm -hmm. to view. So without precise information on the mass, velocity, and physical makeup, we could end up fucking ourselves over big time by doing that. Type one missions are, uh, type one and two actually, are most likely to succeed. Type one, uh, because we can get all the information we need. Um, we can determine the mass, we can determine the velocity, but type one is going to take up way more time and resources and we mm. may not have the time and who knows what the world is like at the time. We might not have the resources right. to do two. Uh, type two missions are possibly the absolute best, but they, again, will take even more time and resources than type one to get underway. So I guess it depends on how much time and money we have and resources to get this thing done, which option we would choose. I don't know. I feel like if we keep up at this rate, those the answers to those questions, time and money are going to be none and none. None and none. So, <laughs> so first so, one, hopefully. So, so cheers. Lucky for us, these researchers even took the time to develop a method for calculating which mission was best based on one, the time between the mission start and the date the planet killer will reach its keyhole. And two, the difficulty involved in properly diverting that specific planet killer. Moral of the story, though, is don't throw nukes at asteroids and keep the oil drillers at home. Because that's like, that. no, we should not do that. Not to mention, like, I don't know. I don't think I could handle, like, losing Bruce Willis for real. I can't handle losing him twice. I already lost you once. 
I already lost him once. Remember the scene where he's saying that. goodbye to Liv and she's in. Oh my god, he, she's in mission control. I know, and he's he's doing it. He's so she can be so she can be with Ben, <laughs> ben Affleck. And they didn't even get along. You didn't even think that Ben Affleck was good enough for her. But he is. But he is because he makes graham crackers dance on her belly. He was the son that Bruce Willis never had. <laughs> uh, do you have anything more to say before we wrap it up? I don't. Just you crying. know, I, you Just know what? Crying. And also, I got to be honest with you. This chair that 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 I sit in when we record gives me the sweatiest back. <laughs> this I like this speaking of the sun I, the back of this chair must be made out of the sun because it's just it's You're like so dramatic. it's just a my back is a river right now it is just awful and you haven't showered how long has it been i showered yesterday oh okay that's not too bad yeah i was just referencing the fact yeah. that you said that your high i know was- i know but i'm getting on top of it i yeah. already i had my like my initial like sticker shock like oh my god what's happening to the world i already had that week now this is the new world order like i'm adjusted to it mm-hmm. don't touch my face i get it i know <laughs> i can i can bathe all right i get it <laughs> well that's all the time we have left this week for keep it weird thank you so much for tuning in we really hope that you are happy and healthy and safe wherever you are and that you really do Reach out to us if there's something that we could do to help you through this time of isolation and anxiety. Because um, if anyone knows anything about anxiety, it's me. It's, it's me. In the first, uh, in the first ten days of this, since we like went into like actual lockdown mode, um, it's very easy to uh, to kind of like lose it a little bit yep, for for a minute. Days. We we both have had moments where uh where the, the the situation and the the inability to really do anything about it just the the long-term financial prospects let alone the health issue and you know it's let alone it's, the chainsaw that's been going outside of our bedroom oh, for three full days that guy's lucky he's nice i'd stick that chainsaw <laughs> where the sun don't shine if you weren't or where the sun do shine right yeah, in his back yeah there it is yeah where the sun do shine because he cut down the fucking tree outside my bedroom window um so my point is um, it's uh, it's very easy to yeah. for, for this to kind of get on top of you in a moment. If I can just pass on any advice from from a person who is uh, excitable, <laughs> to, to put it mildly, um, just let it pass. Don't fight yeah. it. Just let it happen. Get it out of your system. Try to not take it out on the people around you because they're in the same exact position as you. If you got to go scream into a pillow, if you got to go do a bunch of push-ups, if you got to go for a run, if you got to do a bunch of, you know, mountain climbers in your house cuz you can't you don't want to go outside, whatever you got to do, just allow it to happen, get it out of your system, try to be good to the people around you and yourself. And just know that someday this is this will make for a hell of a story. Yeah. So just hunker down, genuinely just try to be good to the people that are stuck with you mm-hmm. while you have a meltdown. Don't beat yourself up for having a meltdown. We're all frustrated and stressed out and worried and, and feeling try to the squeeze. Really, really take advantage of the time to get some little things done that you didn't have time to normally or 
I know reach out to some people that you're friends with yeah. that life has just for for no nobody's fault you've just you've drifted apart from for the last five seven ten thirty years however long it's been send them a Facebook message mm-hmm. you know one thing that's really been helping me too is keeping a schedule every a strict schedule every day every morning I wake up at seven or sometimes before I wake up at seven I usually wake up at like 445 so this is like sleeping in for me I wake up at seven I work out, I shower, I put on human clothes, I might brush my hair, I might put on makeup, sometimes I don't. And then I I try and like be productive during the day and then at night I can do my usual like relax with my fiance on the couch. But like keeping that structure has saved me because my anxiety, if I don't, I mean, you know, Joe, even on weekends, like I'll be fine Monday through Friday, Saturday will hit. I have a panic attack. As soon as you have nowhere to be and nothing to do, all of a sudden it's like you get paralyzed by the options. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if anybody knows anxiety, it's, it's, it's Ashley Cassidy. So I would, I would take, I would take her advice uh, to heart it's it's coming from it's coming from a good place yeah. so just just let's just let's just do our best to 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 wait this out be safe be smart let's let's let this thing die out we're gonna starve it out right? yeah this is, mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna do we're just gonna we're gonna encircle the city and we're not gonna light any fires we're not gonna kill anybody we're just gonna make sure that COVID-19 doesn't get resupplied with any food and we're just going to starve it out. Thank you, Joey, as well, for joining Thank me today. you. I imagine you're going to be joining me a couple times in the future, too. So Probably. probably and happen. also, if I can drop just a little hint without going into too much detail, mm-hmm. listeners, I will be returning for another episode of this lovely podcast in the not too terribly distant future. And just to tell you, I am very 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 excited to talk about what i'm going to talk about so we'll just leave it there oh a little little treat little little teaser teaser. oh a little tease a little fluff (laughs) all right follow us on social media at keep it weirdcast across all platforms check out our etsy page at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast to look at some of our merch we have and keep an eye out for some really amazing new merch I just ordered some samples, and as soon as they get here and we get them greenlit, they're going to be going up on our Etsy page as well. If you'd like to donate to the show and get a newsletter and a bonus episode every single month, as well as a discount on merch, head over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast and donate to our show. Not sure what we're doing next week, but I'll keep you guys in the loop on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So, again... Follow us there. I could be working. Joey, what should our sign off be today? Don't touch your face! <laughs> For God's sakes, don't touch your face! <laughs> and keep it weird. Malkovich. 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 Malkovich.